Um, I know your church has been through a difficult week. Uh, it was on Monday morning at 5 a.m. around then I got a text saying that uh, Brother Bailey had passed away. Uh, I think the news had gone from here all the way to Indiana and then back again is how I got a hold of that. And that morning I was reading in my Bible, we're going verse by verse through the book of John at Grandview, and, and so I started in John chapter 13 uh, this morning, and I was reading in verse 7, and Jesus is just about to wash the feet of his disciples and explain to them that if he's the Lord and Master and he washes their feet, they ought also to wash one another's feet. In other words, he says, if I'm serving you, you ought to serve one another. And in verse 7, he makes this statement, and I was reading that Monday morning, and Jesus said, the thing I do now, you will not understand, but you will understand hereafter. The thing I do now, you will not understand, but you will understand after. And I thought, so many times there's things that happen that we don't understand. But Jesus says, you'll understand hereafter. And there will be a time we will understand. But until that day, it's up to us just to trust the Lord. We know He's good. We know that He knows all things. And everything's going to work out just fine. It just takes time. Take your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 2, if you will. 2 Kings chapter 2. <clears throat> Brother Mason had texted me during the week and said, uh, you know, he's got to catch this plane uh, out this afternoon, this evening. And uh, he said, uh, you know, what would you suggest? And, of course, I have uh, several assistants that can all preach better than I can. Uh, about six of them, one of those six I could bring over and, and they're tremendous preachers. But I thought, no, I, I don't need to send one of my young guys. They're great preachers. But I felt like I needed to come. I just felt like uh, maybe there's a little bit of wisdom having pastored for a good while. I started preaching when I was 17 I started pastoring when I was 21. That's pretty young. And I just had my 65th birthday in October. It's all gone by so quickly. This year we celebrated our 35th year in starting Grandview Baptist Church. I moved to Oregon, didn't know a single soul. Came from where I'd started a church in Arkansas and was there for five and a half years and God blessed. And I came here, and slowly God has blessed and uh, done some amazing things for us. But over the years, I've, I've seen tragedy. Over the years, I've known heartache and heartbreak. And you just don't stay in a church very long, but what you experience that as a church, if not personally, then people you love and are very close to experience that. And because this was a staff member, every one of you have felt that very closely. Uh, Brother Bailey was an amazing man, and as you heard in the funeral, and no doubt you knew before then, he was a very great Christian. And what a joy to be around in his family. 
Miss Bailey, of course, was a secretary at Grandview Christian Academy, where some of your students also attend, and uh, was a great blessing to our school and, and will be. And so uh, I told Brother Mason, I know that you've been raising funds. I told him our church is going to give 5000 toward that, just as a small token of appreciation for their lives and their service for Christ and try to be a help to them as well. And I know that you're trying to do that as well. When I was trying to think of what, what kind of message do you bring to a people who have just experienced such shock, and I thought uh, about this passage of Scripture here in 2 Kings in chapter 2. And the whole story starts at verse 1. I'll not read all that, and it goes to verse 14. But I'm just going to start picking up in verse 8. And we have a story of transition. Elijah, the great prophet of Israel, is now going off the scene. We're going to see in this chapter, the Lord is going to take him home. Elisha is now left with the work of God. It has now fallen on his shoulders. God is going to use him. When churches go through great loss, it's a time of transition. Not only did you lose a, a great man as a member, but a great man as a staff member. One who was a great help, not only to your church, but also to your pastor. And it's a time of transition. It's shoes not easily filled. You won't find someone like Brother Bailey easy, if you ever do. Someone else will come with different talents, and it may take some time to even fill that position. They're not easy to find these days. So I thought about this transition that went on in the life of Elisha, this transition that went on in the land of Israel, and I thought about what your church is going to be going through in the next weeks and months and maybe longer as God does a work. Now, the good news is I want to let you know that God will do His work. Someone said if you want to find out how important we are, just dip your finger in water and pull it out and look at the hole. God has a way of filling us. None of us are so important that the word of, work of God stops. God's work will go on. One of these days, I will not be the pastor of our church. I'm not worried at all. God's work is not on my shoulders. God's work continues on Him. Praise God, it's on Him, not us. Amen? And God will build His work. He will push His work forward. Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So allow me to start reading in verse 8 and read down through verse 14, and then I'm going to share the message that God has for us this evening. I'm going to try not to be long, but I have been trying that since I'm 21, and uh, I, I just never have succeeded very well, but I will do my best, and we'll see how... It happens. Verse 8, And Elijah took his mantle and wrapped it together and smote the waters 
and they were divided hither and thither, so that they too went over on dry ground. And it came to pass when they were gone over that Elijah said unto Elisha, Ask what I shall do for thee before I be taken away from thee. And Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. And he said, Thou hast asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if thou see me when I am taken from thee, it shall be so unto thee, but if not, it shall not be so. And it came to pass, as they went still on, still went on, and talked, that behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire, and parted them both asunder. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elijah saw it, Elisha saw it, and he cried, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And he saw him no more. And he took hold of his own clothes and rent them in two pieces. And he took up also the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and went back and stood by the bank of Jordan. And he took the mantle of Elijah and fell from him and smote the waters and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he had smitten the waters, they parted hither and thither, and Elisha went over. And let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'll speak to our hearts from your word and by your spirit. I pray, dear Father, for this good church, this great work that you have started and your hand of blessing has rested upon right from the very start. Lord, you know the trial that has come their way and the loss of Brother Bailey. Lord, you know it all well. He's with you and enjoying your presence. But the rest of us are left behind. And we don't always have the answers. We're not always sure how you'll fill those shoes that he had filled, how those positions will be taken. Heavenly Father, we know you have answers, and we're going to trust you. And Lord, I pray that by your Spirit, you'll speak to all of our hearts and give us a truth that would help us, we pray, in Jesus' name, amen. So in this passage, I see just a few things I want to share with you. First of all, in verses 11 and 12, we have the shock and the sorrow. The shock and the sorrow. Now, Elijah knew that Elijah was going to be taken away. There's no doubt about that. And the Bible is very clear that there is not a man that liveth that doesn't know that he's going to die. The Bible tells us it is appointed unto man once to die and after this the judgment. So all of us are well aware that death will one day come our way unless the Lord intervenes and comes back and raptures the church during that our lifetime, and wouldn't that be a great way to go? But we know that the Lord will take us either in the rapture or by death. We are well aware of that. What we don't know is when or how it will happen. Most of us will think that we'll live a much longer life and uh, we'll think, well, our parents live this long and maybe I can live that long or maybe I have good genes, you know, and, and I'll 
uh, live that long. Every once in a while, I have a member will tell me that they have a mother or a father that's 102, and I said, boy, you've got a long life looking forward to you unless something happens. Because mostly, uh, we get that genetics from our parents, and uh, we have those problems. I remember uh, that challenge. I remember my father, when he was uh, uh, 65, had open-heart surgery and had to deal with those. He passed away at age 80 with, uh, with heart failure and complications with that. Uh, and then my mother, when she was 70, uh, she had open-heart surgery as well. And I flew to Memphis, Tennessee, to the hospital where she was, and I said, Mom, I thought at least you had a good heart. Bad, got, uh, my father's had a bad heart. You've got a bad heart. I said, looks like I'm going to have a bad heart. I've said to my children, y'all are out of luck. Our genes are not all that good. When I was 50, I had a stent put in my heart, and then January a year ago, I had two more stents put in uh, through my wrist, and so uh, uh, I'm afraid before this life is over, I may have quite a few of those things dangling around. We never know how long we have. Elisha knew that Elijah was going. Even his servants, the sons of the prophet, would come up to Elisha and say, do you know that today the master is going to be taken? He says, yeah, I know it. Don't say anything. I know it. And so he started following him around. The Bible says that Elijah went to Gilgal, and Elisha followed him. And then from Gilgal, he went to Bethel, and Elisha followed him. And then Elijah went to Jericho, and Elisha followed him. And then Elijah went to uh, the river Jordan, and Elisha follows him. He takes off his mantle, he smokes the, the water, they part, they walk across on dry ground. And then Elijah says, what do you want? Well, Elisha is a young prophet, he's been a servant, he's washed the feet of Elijah the great prophet, but he's seen the miracles. He's seen God use a man. He's seen a prophet uh, affect a nation. And he says, I'd love to have a double portion of what you got. And of course, you know, he says, you've asked a hard thing. But if you'll see me when I ascend up to heaven, you'll have it. If you don't see me, you won't have it. And just a little while later, this these horses of fire and the chariots of fire come and separate them. And then he goes up on a whirlwind. And I can just see that mantle dropping and coming down. And Elisha picks it up. The shock and the sorrow. You know, when you have a loved one you know will pass away, it's still a shock because it's still your mother your father, your grandfather, your grandmother, your son or your daughter. It's your good friend. It's always a shock. And there's always sorrow. Now, I know we don't sorrow as those who have no hope, but there's always a place in our heart that's left 
there's a hole that's left when a loved one is gone. And Elisha, he remarks, he says, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horses thereof. What he's saying is, Elijah, you are more important to Israel than all the horses and all the chariots and all the armies that we could ever assemble. That's how important Elijah was to the land of Israel. And now he's gone. When you have a good man like Brother Bailey that's gone, as I've mentioned, those are big shoes to fill. A kind man, a loving man, a hard-working man, a man that was getting to love each and every one of you, and you were getting to love him. It takes time to do that, but I know how hard he was working for that, and I've spoken to him on several occasions. The sorrow the heartache. That's how Elisha felt, and that's how all Israel felt. And that's how it always starts when you lose a great man. But notice, secondly, we see the mantle to pick up. Somebody has to pick up the mantle. The work of God has to go on. So you can just think about all those things that Brother Bailey did. Yesterday, as I was here at the funeral, I was hearing about all the painting he was doing around here. Somebody better get your blue jeans on because uh, you're going to have to paint now. He's, he's in heaven. Somebody else has to fill those shoes. Somebody else has to work with those teenagers. Somebody else has to do all the different things that he was doing around here. Somebody has to pick up that mantle. It will never do to watch it lay on the ground. God had used that as a force for good. And Elijah had carried it and used it. And the power of God had been displayed as he smote the river Jordan. And he saw the waters part. Now the mantle's in the dust. Somebody has to pick it up. Now, I think we can all walk by and say, somebody needs to pick that up. And there's no one here that doubts that somebody will have to fill those shoes. Someone will have to take his place. Someone will have to step up. But it's so easy to look at that mantle and say, I wonder who's going to do that. I wonder who's going to do the painting now. I wonder who's going to work with teens now. I wonder who's going to do what he did. I wonder who's going to do that. We all ought to have the mindset, hey, let me pick up the mantle, Lord. I'm not saying I could fill his shoes. I'm not saying you would say I could fill his shoes. No, no. But, but you understand the work of God has to go forward. Somebody has to. Somebody has to say, I'll I'll work with the teens a little bit. I I can't lead them, but let me do something. I'm not a great painter, but give me me some paint. I'll, I'll do something. Every one of us has to step up. It's big shoes to fill. And and it might not be any one person. It might be quite a few persons. Several years ago, 
our youth pastor, Steve Frost, who, quite frankly, I was training to take over and be the pastor of Grandview one day, uh, got a call from a church in uh, Kentucky. Uh, and they were wanting to know if he would consider being their pastor, Shawnee Baptist Church. And so they talked to Brother Steve, and then Brother Steve came in the office, and he said, Pastor, I, I need to talk to you about something. I said, okay, Steve, what is it? And he said, well, I, I've had a church that is interested in me trying out to be their pastor. I just look at him. Don't tell me that. That's not what I want to hear. That is not what our people want to hear. Our people love Steve Frost. And if you knew him, you know why they love Steve Frost. He's the, he's the total package. And he said, but, he said, if you tell me no, I'll just tell him no way. Oh, oh, how I wanted to say no. That's the answer. You just call him up right now and say no. I said, Steve, you don't belong to me. You belong to the Lord. And wherever the Lord wants you is where I want you. He said, well, pastor, it's not a sure thing. I'm just trying out. I said, Steve, it's a sure thing. Nobody's going to listen to you preach. Nobody's going to meet you and say, now nah, we don't want him. No, they're going to say, man, you mean we can have him? Yeah, they want him. A young man with a wonderful family and full of vision and, and just excitement and God using him in so many ways. And so he went and tried out. And of course, you know, they all voted. They want him. And he came back and shared with me. I said, yeah, yeah, I expected it. I was depressed for about two days. My wife says three, but I say two. And then I gathered my staff together and I said, listen now, uh, we're not going to find another Steve Frost anywhere, but I need to know this. I said, are you all in? And we gathered in my living room, are you all in? And I just went man to man to man to man. And they said, I'm all in, Pastor. I'm all in. And then I said, you know, if we're all in, we'll be just fine. If we're all in, God will take care of us. And I said, here's another thing I want us to do. I said, every Saturday from 9, 15 to 10 o'clock, I want us to meet just as staff, men on staff, and I want us to pray for 45 minutes that God will keep his hand of blessing upon our church. And we did that for about nine months. Do you know that God has blessed in unusual ways since we lost Steve Frost? I never thought humanly possible that would happen. I'm telling you, you have had a great loss, but God's not through with Timberline Baptist Church. God's work marches on, but it's going to have to take some people that are all in. You're going to have to say, Pastor, I, I, you know, I'm no Andy Bailey, but I, I can do something. I'm no Andy Bailey, but I, I, I can do this, or I can do that, or I can help here, or I can help there. 
And it's going to take some people, many people, to pick up the mantle and say, I'm going to use this for the cause of Christ. We're not going to sorrow about the hole in our church. We're not going to sorrow about what we don't have. We're going to say, we're going to roll up our sleeves. We're going to let God use us. And together and collectively, as well as individually, we'll do our best to pick up the mantle and see what God can do. And that's what has to happen. We had to do that as, as a church. Uh, I would tell our people the, the next several months, I would use the name of Steve Frost, and I said, or as we affectionately call him, the traitor who left our church for another one. And I was joking, of course, because we love him to death, and he's doing such a great job. In Joshua 1.12, God speaks to Joshua, and he says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give them, even to the children of Israel. You see, somebody has to pick up the mantle, and it won't be easy. I, I know how everyone's life is. Everyone's life is busy. And most Christians think, I, I can't add one more thing. I, I can't add one more responsibility. I know we need someone to do this, but it, it can't be me. I'm, I'm just too busy. I have too much on my plate. I, I don't have enough time as it is. How, it, it just can't be me. But let me say, that the work of God is always done by busy people. Busy people. It's always people who have full plates that take a little bit more and the work of God moves forward. It's never someone who has an empty plate and says, I'll be used of God. Because God uses people that have been tested with responsibility already. And it may be that you can't take part of his ministry, but you could take a piece of it. And if enough of you take a piece of it, collectively as a church, you can pick up that mantle. You see, it won't be easy, not at all. I know I talk to your pastor quite a bit, Brother Mason, I am were good friends before he came to Oregon and have since become uh, real good friends. We'll talk to each other. We'll pray with each other about different things. Uh, we'll give advice to each other, counsel to each other, share things that are going on in our churches. And I, I've been so excited about what God's been doing here at Timberline Baptist Church. Really, really happy for your church, for your pastor, uh, for the families here, I've been so excited about what God's been doing. And uh, we'll share together. <clears throat> but I also know that uh, your pastor for a good while has been looking for staff members. And uh, he would go to this college or he would check with this person and he would check with that person. And, and I know all about that. We have a school, as you know, and we have to hire teachers. And uh, it's almost impossible to get enough teachers because we'll go to a college and, and when we go there, 
to interview, uh, there's 80 other schools there also to interview. And it just so happens that everyone that we're really interested in, 10 other churches are also really interested in. And some of them are their home church. You better write that one off. You don't have a chance against the home church. Well, my home pastor thought he might hire me. I said, I'm giving up right now. I know where you're going. You're not going to come to Oregon. You understand that most of America looks at Oregon as a mission field because it is. You know what they say about Oregon, and it's all true. Oh, I hear there's just a bunch of liberals out there. Oh, yeah. That's why you don't want to go down at Portland at night. Don't go down there. <laughs> you see, yeah, we understand that. There's plenty of good people all around the fringes. But it seems like they collect around downtown, sort of. And that's what people see, and that's what they think about Oregon. And they're thinking, man, I live in the Bible Belt. You want me to go where? They would think you're setting up school in Sodom and Gomorrah or building a church next door. And uh, The truth is, it's difficult to get people to travel across country and come to Oregon. And by the way, those of us who live here, we love it. We, we, love, the, we love the scenery. We love the fresh air. We love all the things. Now, there's things we don't care for, that's for sure. But there's so many wonderful things. I have friends who live around Phoenix and live in Colorado, and they look and they see the brown hills, and they see the, the, the brown rolling hills and the cactus and the jagged rocket mount, uh, rocky mountains, and they'll say, isn't it beautiful? And I say, it's brown. It's brown. How, what do you mean beautiful? Have you not seen green? You better come to Oregon and let me show you what beautiful looks like. It's green. It's not brown. In fact, they think different shades of brown is beautiful. Isn't that beautiful? No, not really. We like blue skies and we like white mountains with the snow on them. And we like beautiful tall green trees and we like green grass all year round. Yeah, we love that. But you know, it's hard to get people to come to this area. And let me say that it's going to take a lot of people praying. Not just Brother Mason. It's going to take every uh, member of this church and everyone. You've got to pray and pray and pray. And I know you're, you're not looking to fill someone overnight. That's, that's not wise. But in God's time. There, there's going to have to be someone else help your pastor. There's going to have to be other people come on board. The church is growing. The church is thriving. Uh, you're going to need school teachers. You're going to prove for a school. You're going to need people to lead and people to guide. And, and it's going to take people coming in from colleges and people who have been trained to do different things. And let me say, it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy because everyone you want Somebody else wants. Our Bible colleges are not putting out enough workers right now. And the reason is, is because churches are not sending enough students to Bible college. 
Since our churches started, we have sent about 150 people off to Bible college. And we've got maybe 10 of them come back. 140 of them are somewhere else. I wish I could say all of them are serving the Lord, but I can say probably 80% of them are serving the Lord somewhere. And I praise God for that. But you're going to need somebody from some Bible college. You're going to need someone who's been trained. You're going to need some staff to come along, Brother Mason and Miss Mason, and say, how can I help you? What can I do? How, how can I take what God's called on my life, and how can I use it here? And there will be a day, there will be a day where this church will have dozens, dozens of staff members. And, and God will do so many things, and you'll have to build on. This space will not be enough. You'll have to build on and build on and build on and build on. I never envisioned that. I, I never thought about that. Today, it's hard to believe, but we have 53 people on payroll. I never would have dreamed that. I never would have thought that. I, I, never, I never would have thought our church would ever get to 200, much less be blessed of God as it has been. I, I never dreamed that. But let me say that God's vision for our churches are always greater than our vision. And God's vision for this church is greater than anyone else's vision for this church because God has great plans for every church. And I want you to know you got to pray and pray and pray because it's going to take members taking up a mantle, but God is also going to have to send people to your church. There are going to have to be some couples who will come and, and they'll be on staff and, and you good people will have to love on them and you'll have to get to know them all over again and they'll have to get to know you. But let me say, there'll be good people. There'll be good people who have a heart for God. Because listen, if you have a heart for ministry, it's not a heart for money. If you want to make money, you're in the wrong business. There'll be people who love God and love God's people and want to be a blessing and just want God to use their lives. And they'll love on you and you'll love on them, and they'll pick up a mantle, and together, great things will happen for the cause of Christ. We see, first of all, the shock and the sorrow. Then we see the mantle that must be picked up. And then I want us to see this. It's the same Lord that empowers. The same Lord that empowers. The same Lord that empowered Andy Bailey and helped his life and his ministry become effective and just become more and more effective. The same Lord is the same Lord who will empower your lives and the same Lord that will empower the lives of anyone else that God sends. We'll have to trust that the same Lord empowers. You see, I'm just one person. You're just one person. We're all just one individual. And what can God do with one individual? Well, if we read our Bibles, we can find that God can do great things through one individual. 
We're nothing until we put ourselves in God's hand. Now God can do something great with our lives. We are not talented enough. We are not educated enough. We are not uh, personality enough. We're just one person. But if we put our life into God's hand, God can use us in great and mighty ways. I love what he says to Jeremiah, Call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. May I say the same Lord that flows through Elijah will flow through Elisha. The same God that helped Moses will be the God who helps Joshua. The same God that helped Brother Bailey is the same God that will help you. The same God that helps your pastors, the same God that will help his members. You see, we're all God-dependent anyway, aren't we? We are not self-sufficient. We are not all there is. Uh, Jesus said it this way, For without me ye can do how much? Nothing. Well, that's about what I can do without Jesus. But as I yield myself to Jesus... It is amazing what God can do. Sometimes I have people come to our church, it's like people who would come to this church, and they'll say, wow, look what God's done. And they'll say that about our work sometimes, and they'll say, oh, Brother Mutchler, you built a great work. And I'll say, no, 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 no. I said, God built a great work. I've done more to hinder it than help it. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. I, I did not do this. God did this. I was thinking about this church, and I was thinking about uh, the early days of our church. And uh, I believe your church is getting close. Is it about 10 years old? How, how many years old is it now? How many? 2001? So 19 years. You know the first nine and a half years we never had a building? You know that this church had a building faster than almost any church I know of in the Northwest? God bless this church. You, you, you didn't meet. I remember where y'all met. I preached there on your first year anniversary. I, I remember those days. And, uh, but to see what God has done, I mean, I remember when this church was being built and I would go to your pastor at the time, I'd say, this is not right. You owe another seven years. You should be in rented facility for at least another seven years. How dare you? How do you get the money? How do you get the resource? How'd you do that? I wish he'd written a book on that. I, I wrote a book on how to start, start a church but I need to write a book on where do you, how do you pay for it? I don't know yet. I'm still waiting on the offerings Sunday after Sunday after Sunday to keep my head above water. I'm just saying that God will build a church and God will use people who pick up the mantle because the same God who blesses one work will bless another. The same God who blesses one man will bless another. God is no respecter of persons, and don't think you ever, well, I'm not good enough for God to bless me. Let me just say, there is no man good enough for God to bless. There is no woman good enough for God to bless. We are just sinners saved by grace, 
And if God uses us at all, it's all because of his goodness and his grace. But he will use whoever offers himself. And if you'll offer yourself, God will use you. The same Lord empowers. And then I want us to look at the last thing. Great works await. Great works await. You see, Elisha goes down, he picks up the mantle. And he comes to the river Jordan. And he smites the water. But before he does, he says, where is the Lord God of Elijah? He smites the water. And the waters of the river Jordan part, and he walks across on dry ground. And the sons of the prophet in the next verse will say, The spirit of Elijah doth rest on Elisha. Now you remember his request. He asked for a double portion of God's blessing on Elijah. And if you'll read the scriptures, you're going to find that Elisha was used to work twice as many miracles as recorded in Scripture as Elijah, the great prophet of Israel. Elisha worked twice as many miracles as his predecessor, the great prophet Elijah. You remember what Jesus said to his own disciples, and he says, And greater works than these shalt thou do, because I go to my Father. I want us to understand, till Jesus comes back again, he's expecting, he's expecting his church to do greater works and greater works and greater works and greater works. And may I say to you as members of Timberline Baptist Church, God wants to do greater works and greater works and greater works here in this place. He's given you a great pastor. I know his heart's been broken. I know we've talked and we've prayed. I know your heart's been broken. I know you've been praying, and you've been loving on the Bailey family, and I thank you for doing that. But I'm going to ask you to continue to uphold them in prayer. And continue to pray for your pastor. And I hope that you'll pray about picking up the mantle. And letting God use you to help a little piece of the great ministry that Brother Bailey was a part of. Just put a little more on your plate. And let God use you to be a blessing to the work of God as a whole. And let me say that years from now. God is going to do such wonderful things through this church. It's going to be greater works and 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 greater works. And you know they're building more closer to here, closer to here, closer to here. It won't be long and you'll have houses all around here. And guess which church they want to come and check out. It's going to be this church. And God's going to use this as a lighthouse throughout this community. And it's going to have tremendous influence for the cause of Christ. And God is going to use you and use your pastor and use your church and use your staff in a glorious way for the cause of Christ that thousands of people over the years in ahead uh, will be saved 
and have their lives completely transformed because Timberline Baptist Church was blessed of God. You've had a great heartache, but God's not through with you. I want you to take hope and take heart that the best days are all still ahead and you can trust the Lord for good things. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I hope you'll think about what I've talked about, about the great works, about the mantle that needs to be picked up, about the same Lord that empowers. I pray you'll follow your pastor, support your church. Pray for God to bless. And pray that God would use you. That some way, somehow, God could use you to help fill the gap a little bit. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'll speak to all of our hearts. I pray that you'll challenge the good people. Lord, the good people of Timberline Baptist Church that come out on a Sunday night on a busy Thanksgiving weekend. And Lord, they're here because they love you. Not to hear me, but because they love this church. They love what you're doing here. And Lord, I pray that somehow the words that I said were words that you told me to say. And I trust that it would be a help and encouragement and perhaps even a challenge to these good people because this is a great church and there's greater things that you want to do through this church and through these good people and through their good pastor. Lord, I pray that you'll encourage even now the hearts of the Masons and the Baileys and those that will be going to the funeral tomorrow in Indiana. And I pray that you'll comfort Miss Bailey's heart and the girls. Lord, what a fine family they are. But Lord, I pray you'll comfort this good church. They've stepped in the gap. They've been here for her and the girls. Lord, I pray that you'll use them to build a great work on this corner, on this busy highway, that will lift up the name of Jesus Christ and that years to come, hundreds and hundreds more people will be coming to this place to praise your name. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'll speak individually to our hearts now and let us be a part. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Let's all stand to our feet if we will have heads bowed and eyes closed.